hello to everyone tuning in. Most of you are familiar with Celtics life, but if not, here's a quick rundown. We're a Boston Celtics fan site that covers everything Celtics from the latest trade rumor to that other trade rumor, the Nets pick, and how exactly Danny Ainge got his free Chipotle for life card. Honestly, no one actually knows. The pod covers all the same topics as our site does, but a little more freely and from a weekly point of view. The best part of it all is that we're talking about it from a fan's perspective. We'll cover last week's games and major stories, as well as a look into the week ahead. We'll change things up as the show evolves, so let us know what you want to hear if something comes to mind. We're doing a kind of interesting trade deadline show this week, so we're going to run through really quickly the recap of last week's games. Celtics went 2-1 and one in the last week before the All-Star break, dispatching Dallas and Philly. Dallas on the road where they won 111-98. to IT finished 29 points, 8 assists, and the rest of the supporting cast had a pretty good game. Only notable play from really any of the Mavericks was Yogi Ferrell, who just got signed to a three-year deal by the Mavs, put up 20, and Darren Williams was ejected in the second quarter. We moved to Philly, where the Celtics took on the 76ers in Boston. IT had 13 of his 33 in the fourth quarter, and Marcus Smart with the stat line, 28 points and 8 steals. Unbelievable game for Marcus Smart, and really pretty easy game. Came down a little bit in the fourth quarter, but Celtics came away with it, and then Celtics moved on the second night of a back-to-back to Chicago, where they took the loss on a late whistle where Jimmy Butler got the foul call from Marcus Smart with what looked like a great defensive play at the buzzer. Whistle was blown, and Celtics lose it at the free-throw line with less than three seconds to go. I'm Topher Lane. Here with me is Mark Allison, Luis Gonzalez, and Justin Quinn. Hey, guys, how's it going? How's it going? It's going pretty yeah. well. I, I just do want to say that I think the Celtics went 3-0, and not 2-1. and <laughs> that, that last call in that Chicago game was pretty bogus, but hey, what do I know about refereeing? Well, we're going to definitely have to share that, because that I'm sure most Celtics fans agree that that was not a foul. What, what were kind of everybody right. thought? I, I, don't, I didn't see any contact personally, but... I mean, you can... I, I mean, he, he definitely touched his elbow. I mean, at least it, he did. But, I mean, to call that at the end of the game is absolutely ridiculous. I think you let that go. Yeah, you have to. And if that was, if, if you know, if that was uh, some star player guarding somebody, they never would have called that. If he had, like, raked him across the face, that's one <laughs> thing. But it was, like, he barely got contact on his elbow. Like I said, that, you... I was watching it at a bar, and I didn't even think he touched him. And I was, like, beside myself. I couldn't even believe that. But yeah, I, I didn't I watch reviews. Had that been rules reversed, and that was Jimmy Butler guarding Marcus Smart, they wouldn't have even thought about calling that. Probably mm-hmm. not, but you know Marcus Smart has this, like, reputation, sure. apparently, of being a pretty physical defender. So, um, when you have a star player like Jimmy Butler missing a game-winning shot with Marcus Smart defending him, I think Marcus Smart's reputation works against him in this case. Because um, it's like, well, why didn't Jimmy Butler make the shot? Oh, he must have gotten fouled by Marcus Smart. Let's call the whistle almost a second after, you know, the, yeah, the contact that, actually happens. And that's the worst part, that the referee watched the ball go to the rim, watched it brick, and then blew the whistle. I mean, like, yeah. like he didn't, I don't know, that's, he didn't want to blow the whistle and then only decided to because the shot was missed. That's, that's weak. Apparently, Jimmy Butler also said, where's the foul, or no foul, something along those yeah. lines. I mean, you, you can't blame him for that, though. I mean, that, that no. everybody, everybody does that. But yes, Brad, I mean, Brad Stevens was flipping out. Like, oh, he was, yeah, he was, they got cut to him, and like, that, I feel like they better put a sensor over his mouth. With just the shit. <laughs> he's just sitting there, he's just screaming. Gosh, darn it! Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was that a was, uh, rough call. Let's, um, so I, I said, you know, this is going to be our, our trade deadline 
podcast. Uh, trade deadline is Thursday, so we're less than a week away from the trade deadline. Uh, kind of major storylines right now. Um, what are the major deals the Celtics can consider looking at? I, I, it seems like Jimmy Butler is always, always a relevant name uh, to the Celtics. Um, we'll have to see whether or not Danny Ainge is willing to match the price. Th- that's the other thing. I mean, the, the Bulls' asking price has kind of been all over the place reportedly, whether it's both Brooklyn picks this year or next year, whether it's one Brooklyn pick or whatever. We just have no idea where the Bulls stand right now. Um, if it's just this year's Brooklyn pick and, you know, throw in, I, I hate to say it, Terry Rozier and <laughs> whoever else, I pull the trigger on that. But if it's both Brooklyn picks, I don't do it. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a little steep. And, and I'm hesitant to trade this Brooklyn pick because it could be the first pick. And I really like Fultz. But, I mean, if you're getting a superstar, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with doing that, you know, dealing that pick. Do you guys think Is Jimmy that, Baller that superstar, though? I don't uh, think so. I, I don't think so, personally. Um, I think he's an upgrade, but I don't think he pushes us over the the, the top in terms of contention. Um, I think he gives us a really good chance, but I don't think it's it's quite enough to to mortgage the entire future and the youth movement component of the roster also. The thing with, with Jimmy Butler is that, you know, he fills that shooting void that Danny Ainge has been so outspoken about. Um, but you get Jimmy Butler, you still need a big. If you get Jimmy Butler and a big, I think the Celtics are set. Well, you're going to need more than that, too, though, because you're going to need to replace the people that went into the package, and I'm assuming it's going to be someone like Avery Bradley and Amir Johnson, so you have at least two starters going out the door, so you're going to be down at least one starter, and probably more. Yeah, and and, and, uh, even if Amir doesn't exactly set the world on fire, but imagine (laughs) what our, our front line would look like minus him. Like, we'd have to get, like, Taj Gibson back in that deal, too. Absolutely. Because if we were going to lose Amir, we'd have to get another big guy. I mean, there's just no, you know, we'd have to. Yeah. That or we get serious minutes to Tyler Zeller at the five. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that. What's that worth? You know, is, right. is it right? Yeah. And they're not. Yeah, they're they're in not a pinch, but. Jordan yeah. Mickey, but is that worth giving the minutes? Not, right. And not for the, they're not going to, you know, want to be playing Jordan Mickey in the playoffs big minutes, you know. I mean. They played Terry Rozier big minutes in the playoffs last year. That was that, that, that was out of necessity, though. You know, like I mean, that well, was, this this would be too. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But I, but you know, that was injury, and that you know, yeah. Danny didn't put himself in that situation. Yeah. Um. So overall, I think the we're all kind of saying no to a to a high asking price Jimmy Butler trade, which it will be. Which yeah, will be unless Chicago does whatever Orlando is doing right now. Or what the Knicks are I, I mean, doing. I, I'm more comfortable, I mean, if if that's the case, we could go into the offseason and just sign Gordon Hayward. And, I mean, what's the difference between him and Jimmy Butler? I think Jimmy Butler's better, but is he that much better? That we would get, we could get Hayward without giving up anything. That is, that is true. But, you see, that that puts us in a position where we're not taking advantage of Kevin Love being out for as long as he right, all right, as long as he will be. I think if the Celtics have a window, it's this year to just capitalize on that injury. I mean, losing Kevin Love for six weeks or maybe even longer is a that's a big blow 
um, to the Cavs uh, championship hopes. Um, if he's out, let, let's just say he's out yeah, for the for, for like for the playoffs. Timeline for six weeks is what they're saying. But yeah, let's right. just say he's out for the playoffs. The insurance. I I think that the that Boston can take on the Cavs without without love in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, they certainly, yeah, I think they could definitely give him a run if they didn't have him because that would kill a lot of their biggest problem, which is rebounding, you know? Yeah, also space I mean, they still terrible. have Tristan Thompson, but, um, you know. And, I mean, Kevin Love, I don't know what he's scoring this year, but it's close to 20 points, I'm sure. about that? Yeah, I think he's a little over 20. Um, but I, I think the Celtics need to be cognizant of the fact that with him out, they really should be a little bit more aggressive in whatever trades they do make, um, but also be aware of the fact that there are some, you know, big free agents this offseason, like Gordon Hayward. Um, so you don't want to mortgage too much of your future for a, a chance at winning a championship this year. Right, especially when we, with the two Brooklyn picks coming up, plus Jalen Brown, if you think about it, you know, in two or three years, we're looking at a team that would be, I mean, really, could be really, really good. And we'd be looking at, you know, um, LeBron towards the end of his career. You know, Golden State's not going to be able to keep all those guys because they're all going to be getting huge deals. I mean, I don't know how that would work. So <laughs> you might be better off looking at two years down the line, as much as people don't want to hear that. Justin, I know that you're well, more so they're- keen on contracts. Uh, Mark brings up a good point. Do you think, or do you have a feeling that, um, based on NBA rules, etc., that Golden State will be able to keep all of its players, all, no. you know, their the, the big well, four players? The core four, anyways, right? Not without, not without some concessions from Kevin Durant, um, who was very recently non-committal on whether or not he'd take a discount to be able to resign everyone. And I think that he should, you know, and from his perspective, that's the right move to make because let's say that they get knocked out in the third round and don't actually make it to the finals. Does Kevin Durant want to return to that team? Who knows? I mean, there's no reason for him to pitch himself into that, you know? Yeah. You know, he has the option on the table to do what he wants, so why would he? Yeah, but I mean, they're they're um, it, it's I, the thing I don't get is I, I understand like bird rights. You can go over the cap to sign guys that are on your team, but how I don't know how far over you can go. Like that's even that you can go as far as you want to pay. There's no hard cap, but you you start getting into some very ridiculous numbers when you start resigning people. Um, whether or not they're going to want to pay that kind of money, it's the, the question isn't whether or not they want to resign um, Kevin Durant or Steph Curry. It's the question of do they want to pay all that money? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let, like even with the Celtics, let's think about next year. Let, let's say we still had all these guys on the books. We got to sign IT to a big deal. Avery Bradley's going to get a lot of money. I think Marcus Smart's up next year too, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, the year after. Okay, but even still, if they added somebody, let's say they added a Gordon Hayward this off season, and 
and then they still wanted to sign those other two guys. It, do they have the ability to go over the cap to do that because they have their bird rights? Anyone, I, mean, anyone, I know you can to an extent, but I don't know what the extent is. Yeah, anyone with a three-year or longer contract. Well, the thing is, there's um, non-bird rights that in a shorter contract you can you can still um, sign them, but I think yeah, I, I I wouldn't you know I'm gonna have to dive into that. I'm not entirely sure. Bringing up Isaiah Thomas is a that's a that's a good one because we're gonna we're we're gonna have to face this head on in the, in a few years. Is Isaiah Thomas if he keeps producing at this level? Is he a max contract guy? I mean, I, I think he is. If he doesn't get a max contract with us, someone's going to give him one. So, I, oh yeah, oh one hundred percent. I mean, you know, when, regardless of what people think he should get paid or whatever, I mean, he's going to get one from somebody. Well, let's let's. Kind of go back to trades and stuff. There are a bunch of names out there, right? So you got like Demarcus Cousins, Andre Drummonds. Uh, who's who else are kind of major names that you think the Celtics should maybe target? Realistic or kind of throwing <laughs> all of our throwing all of our eggs. Well, let's let's go over let's go over all the people who haven't moved yet that have been in the mix. Um, at least, yeah. at least loosely tied to the Celtics, whether through suggestions uh, by talking heads or whether by um, actual rumors. Um, Noel and Okafor, I think, um, are not. In, okay, so let me let me back up a little bit and talk about the the recent. Um, I think I think it was Real GM had a piece that was going on a little bit more explicitly about what I've been hearing um, from people um, who should know about Danny Ainge's intentions at the trade deadline, which is basically not committing to any particularly large contracts um, that will hinder them from multi-year um, free agency decisions. And also, they are not trying to do kind of a rental, which I thought was an interesting an interesting twist to actually hear it um, coming from Danny Ainge, which makes me think that people like Noel um, and potentially Ibaka, him, him not being signed uh, or working out with Boston, is another example of that. Um, Bogut is another person, I think, that might not be on the table because of that. Um, and also, character issues seemed like they were something that he he mentioned again in that piece, too. So I, I think that um, the recent rumblings coming around, um, well, let's just not call them rumblings, let's call it a mess of DeMarcus Cousins um, being on on the block, off the block, all over the place. I think that might actually, like, the reason why we, if we're, if we're seeing offers with, like, Vuj and Fournier coming out of Orlando plus picks being being um, on the table. I mean, even though it's probably not enough, I think that the fact that 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 didn't like the fact that that was even even in conversation means that, in my opinion, Danny Ainge wants nothing to do with Demarcus Cousins. Yeah, I mean, if if there if if that is true, that Orlando deal, which seems ridiculous to me. I mean, I don't know what you guys think of that, but. Um, it would seem that the Celtics would be able to offer significantly more than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what is going on in Orlando right now. Um, I know 
somebody's getting fired at the end of the Hennigan is looking, Hennigan basically gambled away all of their assets trying to do good stuff. I mean, none of the moves were incredibly, incredibly like Billy King level dumb, but they were all, you know, increasingly panicky moves, which is kind of what happens when you have a GM approaching the end of the contract at the same time the team is on a downturn. Yeah. So the um, but the thing I like about this is now if if they were well I guess they weren't interested in trading Kusevic but I think he would be a, a great fit on our team except for the fact and that the, the two more years on his contract would basically kill us for free agency he's only making twelve thirteen million though I mean, yeah I, but I then there's no max contract you, you can't add a max contract if you add him unless you unless you get rid of I mean you could you could move on well, from would, Bradley or. I mean, we would Amir's money. He'd be there instead of Amir's money. We'd still have room for a max, no? Nope. Yeah, I was going to say Amir's making twelve this year. If I'm not I mistaken. Mean, he, he would probably have to be in that deal with yeah. Yeah. No, we will have if we have. Let's see. We got twelve for Amir coming off the books. We got five for Jerebko. Um, we've got eight for Tyler Zeller if we don't pick up his second year of his contract, which we won't, almost certainly. Um, so what's that put us at? 25, and then we've got a Linux close to 4, just under 4, that puts us at 29. Um, and I think if we, we've got a hundred thousand, or a million for, um, Gerald Green, if we don't bring him back. So we are on the cusp of a 30 million max. If we let all the one-year contract people go, if we take on 12 million dollars, that leaves us with 18, which is not quite a max, but... We could we could theoretically still get a good player in free agency, but they would be taking a discount if they were a max level player, even like a young one. Um, and frankly speaking, I don't think any of the the impact players in this year are going to be jumping ship to come to the Celtics for eighteen. I don't see how you under, I don't know how you keep track of all this stuff. The like cap stuff <laughs> just confuses the hell. I just don't understand how you keep up with that. I feel like there's a way we could still clear space though. I mean, well you can, you can definitely clear space, but the problem in free agency is like do you go to the team with a good chance to win that has room for you or do you go to the one that has to hustle and move move stuff and then if they decide not to come to us and we move some key parts. Right, but but I, well, the advantage here we have if now not to keep bringing up Gordon Hayward, but let's just use him as an example. I mean, he's got a um ties to Brad Stevens. Mm-hmm. I I'm sure he'd love to play for his uh college coach again, you know. Um, that might be an avenue if we added Vucevic and we could still probably add him in the offseason if, if he's going to leave Utah. Which I don't think he's going to. Maybe. But maybe but, well, I don't understand why he wouldn't have signed an extension already. They're a good team. They're in what, fourth place in the West? Well, yeah. that gives them the leverage to see what they do. Yeah, no, I, and I, I get that. I, I, you know, I, I understand that. I think the problem, come, the, the problem that's going to arise is uh, players understanding the difference between them being on good teams like utah is a good team but are they going to win a championship as currently constructed no especially in the west um so i think you'll have a lot of players if they didn't you know realize it last year when golden state was as good as they were now that golden state is even better i think you're going to see a lot of players probably in the west uh jumping ship for an opportunity to number one get out of the west and to um, have an opportunity to be on a contending team as opposed to a good team. Because there are a lot of good teams in the NBA, but every time the, the conversation comes up of who's a contender, he got 
Cleveland and Golden State and and everybody else. And San Antonio. Got it. Can't, can't dial them up. Yeah, like, sure. <laughs> um, and Toronto is like this weird dark horse. Um, and the Clippers are doing God knows what. I think the Clippers are done after this year. But, um, yeah, so I think that's going to prompt a lot of moves uh, this offseason. Um, you know, players just realizing, like, hey, I'm not winning anything here. My team is good, but we're not great. I agree with you as far as, as far as Blake Griffin goes with the Clippers. I don't think that um, we should sacrifice any kind of... Yeah, that's another guy out there, by the way, um, yeah. jumping in, who, who might be available via trade, via, via a bunch. Like, Kevin O'Connor had that piece where he was talking about the three-team deal um, that could end up moving him and Paul Pierce to us, which I, I, I think is incredibly far-fetched, but not impossible. Um, even even that move is as romantic as it would be, and the, the fact that you know I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But I think that I think that you're right. I think that there's a, there's a lot of players, um, even LeBron James, who might be on the move by, after this summer with with all the internal griping and injuries and really uncertain future in terms of management. Well, yeah. okay. So, Justin, are are you in favor of the Celtics making a trade by Thursday? Um. I am in favor of the trade possibility of an impact star being had on a bargain deal. If we can get a situation where we can translate someone's unhappiness, um, whether it's in the front office with, like, say, an Andre Drummond-type situation, incredibly unlikely, um, or we're talking something like a Carmelo Anthony situation, Let's just say we could get Carmelo Anthony for I don't know Tyler Zeller, Amir, and Jerebko. Um, I would actually be okay with that. I know everyone's going to hate me who likes Carmelo Anthony as far from the Celtics as possible, um, but if if the situation were to just move. Um, minor, minor first, first round deals, and, or excuse me, first round picks, and um, expiring contracts, stuff like that. Not core players, not not high value firsts, etc. Um, I would be up for that if it's a better player like Drummond, um, which again I want to reiterate is incredibly unlikely. So don't even think about it. Um, I would I would even be okay with moving a Brooklyn pick, but I, I am actually of the mind that it's at least right now better like this is the one crack we have at free agency. Um for sure under the CBA. Like we have a pretty good idea of what we're gonna be going into, who's available and what we can offer them. Um so I really feel like um particularly with the the way that Danny Ann seems to think about the situation, that the, the best move really is um, to not overpay on anything, to be very, very conservative with these picks, and frankly speaking, it's better to burn them than than throw them away and potentially risk hobbling the future. I think yeah. that's fair. And, uh, I mean, I'm kind of of the opinion that we should try and chase a cheap rebounder. Agreed. However possible. Agreed. Um, I, I mean, I would love to snag someone who's a superstar, but I don't think there's enough on the trade market. Uh, you know, we had talked about how I, I would love to get Paul George, and, you know, there, there's been rumblings that, you know, Paul George is not being too confident about saying that he's going to sign an extension with the Pacers. 
does that mean that Larry Bird... I mean, he still has another year on his deal after this, so it's not like he's on the fence about walking this summer. It would be the summer of 2019, I believe. But his value will be its highest this summer. 2018. Yeah. 2018? Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I don't know if Larry Bird would be willing to make that trade. I mean, he's they've, all, they've said that they want to do what they can to make sure that he stays happy in Indiana, and they're willing to shell out their own first-round pick. But, I, I mean, I don't think the Celtics... They're not going to find him help. Get something. But <laughs> there's some rebounders on that team, whether it's Al Jefferson or, you know, they've got some young guys. And they've got Miles Turner, who they probably want to build around as far as a center goes. So could we pry someone like Al Jefferson away? Who's, does he have another year on his deal, or is he locked up long-term? I want nothing to do with Al Jefferson. If we're going to get a rebounder, I want a young rebounder on a rookie contract, and I would be more than happy to toss them two Boston picks or maybe the a, like next year's Boston pick and the Clippers pick or some other low value. Like I would, I would give a team with anyone who regularly grabs over five rebounds per game um, who can play the four and preferably sometimes the five. So, I, I, the I would spend it on that. A, yeah, the last thing we want to do is make a trade for a big body who's going to be a liability on offense that only gives you like three rebounds a game and is also like 75 years old yeah. you know that, that we don't want to do that because it doesn't help us at all we're going to have to give up assets and it'll end up hurting us in the long term and it would have to include a player who is either going to be like on multi-year on the books like someone like maybe dj or potentially i, I know you guys are going to kill me for this terry rosier um salary like that that is already committed multi-year salary um and it really, it really depends on the situation, but I mean, you have to keep the like. I am a big proponent of this idea for getting a rebounder, but it will have to fit within Ainge's um, cap intentions. Sort of like a Kevin Seraphin. Um, Young, cheap. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would really like Larry Sanders. To be honest, I think well, that Larry yeah. Sanders is not in game shape, and we shouldn't Sanders expect him would to be. be. Perfect, but it doesn't seem like that's going to work out in Boston. Well, and he'd be a long term. I mean, you'd have to sign him to some kind of deal. He'd be on the books for a while. I mean, it's, that's almost like a free agent pickup. In that, I mean, you're not like trading for him, so you're not losing any money, and that kind of contradicts of your belief, Justin, that you know we wanted the flexibility this summer because I mean he's going to be asking for at least $10, $10 million minimum, I would guess. Well, we can't... We might be able to get him for just the season, though. Yeah, no, I think we could. I think we still have we still have um, the mid-level exception, at least. We have we have at least one exception, I think, that we could get him not $10 million a year, but I think that you could do something where you structure it so that way it's a two-year deal with a second-year non-guaranteed Um Oh wait, you know what? You can't do that anymore because they changed the cap. I'm still learning the new the new CBA, but um, you know what? You're right. Because the way I was thinking about it was we could do a Tyler Zeller type deal, but then you would either have to trade him away when it's not guaranteed because that money would still stay on on the books, unlike the current CBA. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, oh, I was going to say a benefit for Sanders coming to Boston is that he'll get actually get like a legitimate. He can. 
he could come here. Let's say he signed a mid-level exception, and he could come here and play. Uh, he, he'd get an opportunity to play, obviously, because he could definitely get some minutes here. And if he still thinks he can play, and he can, if he if he can, um, it, it's a better showcase than maybe going to a contending team where he's only going to play like ten minutes a game. Yeah, I think he can still get boards. I mean, I'm, I wasn't there. I, I half wonder if the um, he didn't have the greatest workout discourse that we were hearing um could be a ploy um just to protect all potential avenues um i don't know it doesn't really seem like that like poisoning the well a bit doesn't really seem like a a danny Ainge kind of a thing um but I, I, I like. I don't expect him to go out and be particularly effective offensively, and he he might not even be so fantastic on defense. Um, but I really, really would be surprised if he cannot pull down close to double digit boards, even in his current state. Yeah, I, I, but like you said, with the way that they talked about that workout, I I highly. I, it just seems to me like they weren't really impressed with him. Because why would they poison that? Like you said, it doesn't really make. That's not really a Danny Ainge move there. And nope. for them to come out and say that the workout wasn't really impressive, um, it's. I I think they would have signed him already if they were interested. In yeah, the problem with him is that there's so many unknowns. Like we can speculate that he can pull down X amount of rebounds or be good for X amount of points, but the the fact of the matter is that it's pure speculation. The last table on him is what. Three years old. Yeah. Um, so who knows um, what he can realistically contribute after being out of the game for so long? Fair point. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I, I'm fine with you know giving him a mid-level exception, whatever. Um, but I, even if Boston did pull the trigger on something like that, I wouldn't put too much stock in it. I would just I would hope for the best, but I wouldn't expect very much. And hopefully he would exceed expectations, but I think you have to be careful about saying, like, he would be, you know, he would give us this or he would contribute this, that, and the other. Um, Because, like I said, we just don't, we have no idea. Are there any trades that you want to make, Luis? Um, I I really want to see the DeMarcus Cousins trade happen. Like, I really do. I think you get him and no one else. And it makes it, it it's like a it's like a six game series against Cleveland with Demarcus Cousins in the lineup. Um, but that's just my opinion. I, I think he he takes care of all of the things that we need taken care of: scoring, rebounding, rim protection, team um, chemistry, team. Well, <laughs> I, I think I mean I mean him and Isaiah get along. True. Yeah. And I have oh, heard no, the, I have heard the narrative that he would keep him in line, but I don't believe it. But you have also have to remember that for for his entire career, Demarcus Cousins has been a part of a losing basketball team, and he's he's wasting his talent over there. He knows, and I'm sure that he knows that if he were on the Cavs, they would have won three or four or five championships in a row. But he's in Sacramento. He's not winning anything anytime soon. He's, you know, he's putting up these crazy stats, and it's all for nothing because what did the Kings win? 30, 30 something games a year, maybe less. Ish. Um, ish, yeah. 
So they keep drafting centers too. Yeah, I would, <laughs> Good plan. I would be. Yeah, they they picked up Willie Cauley Stein. Like I would be super frustrated if I was him too. I would act out if I were him too because well, my talent is going to waste. But he says he's happy. He says no, he wants his jersey not. in the Raptors. No, he says they he wants to stay in Sacramento. They all say the same thing. Oh yeah, I wanna. I I, I wanna. Until uh, they don't. Carry out the rest of my career with this team. It's like I would believe that as much as. Brooke Lopez saying that he wants to spend the rest the rest of his career in Brooklyn. Like, why? No one believes you. Well, he is um, still there. Yeah, but <laughs> sorry. Um, but I just I don't believe him for one second when he says he wants to stay in Sacramento for what? So he can keep winning thirty something games a year, um, putting up these crazy stat lines. Like, I just I don't get it. You put him in Boston, this winning culture with a young coach like Brad Stevens. You know his. I guess you would call him his friend in Isaiah Thomas, and he would probably produce even more than he does now. Or so it's, it's all, it, they'll he'll command both Brooklyn picks and a few other players, but I, at I least one that. quality starter as well. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely Avery, Avery Bradley. Maybe I I think he's a great fit because. Alongside Isaiah, and, and like the problem with we get a, a big guy that can rebound, if it's a guy that has to be in the paint on offense to be effective and can't draw defenders away, it creates less space. Whereas Isaiah, I mean, he's he's been doing so well because they've been able to pull everyone away from the the paint, and he's got so much room to operate. And a guy like Cousins is you know the perfect fit because obviously he can go inside and bang around. But, I mean, he shoots, what, 38% from three, something like that? And, you know, he, he can definitely spread the floor. Yeah, so, like I said, I think you, you get him and Boston beats Cleveland with no other moves. I, I think it's it, it would be that big of a pickup. Well, um, what would the what would the deal look like in your mind in terms of, of starters? Because I'm, I'm trying to envision something that would actually pull the trigger on both sides that wouldn't leave Boston roughly that where it's at or worse. Like the, um, I would say definitely both Brooklyn picks. Um, Avery Bradley. Uh, I, I think if you gave both Harry Rozier, get away with a lot less. Um. But like in terms of the, the lineup, yeah. And, especially you know, especially when you uh, look at the the deal that was allegedly, you know, in the works between them and the Magic. I mean, the cost. Oh, of yeah, right. Vucevic for yeah. Well, that that should bring the cost way down. <laughs> but yeah, like, I think mean, it might have been that cheap. If that's yeah. the case, we should be able to trade the Marcus Cousins for Jordan Mickey straight up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I don't know if it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I say, let, let's say that uh, Sacramento sticks with a pretty high asking price. I think it's both Brooklyn picks uh, and some combination of like Terry Rozier, Avery Bradley, and um, Amir. Amir. Yeah. Amir would have to be in it for... Amir or Zeller. I think they would probably rather have Zeller because he's younger, but I mean, not like I expect them to make any logical decisions, so... Yeah. Um, let me, I'm plugging this into Trade Generator right now, or Trade Machine right now. So, money-wise... If you do Demarcus straight up, he's about eighteen. Makes about makes about seventeen million right now. Uh, Amir makes the twelve, and then let's say Rogier, and then Avery. <coughs> do you do you think that they demand Avery? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> they, I, they I need think they're going to for like Marcus Smart, but uh, what's Avery, I don't know that Danny would do that. What's Avery making this year? 
eight. Just about yeah. eight, yeah. I think we're giving up too much then. Yeah, well, I it, I think if you're doing that, um, I, I see. I don't think Danny would do it for both Brooklyn picks and the guys. Just not nothing. That that's not what Cousins is worth. Just he that totally is. Yeah. I think, but I think I think Sacramento would have to put in um, a, a pick, a draft pick, um, mm-hmm. with with Demarcus because if we're giving up that much salary, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that or that that much <coughs> from our team. Um, I think they need to give us a pick. Well, let's say, so Amir and Avery for DeMarcus. There's about a $3 million difference. That should work. Um, it yeah, works out. Yeah, it works out. And then, you know, you have to play around with some picks. Do you give them the 2017 Brooklyn or do you give them the 2018 Brooklyn? You're giving them the 2017 um, Brooklyn if you're only giving them one pick. There's no debate there. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that, you're right. The 17 Brooklyn is the one that they're, they're not going to make that deal without that pick. I mean, it, it's it's crazy to think though that you give up. It looks like this year is going to be a first round, uh, a number one pick. You potentially give up two back to back number one picks for Demarcus Cousins. Yeah, I mean, it yeah, also with the way the lottery goes, I mean, it could it could obviously change. Because, um, yeah. like, I mean, you only have what like a twenty five percent chance of getting the first round pick. Well, you have about a fifty percent of a top two pick if if Brooklyn finishes last. Not quite fifty percent, but close. Well, best case scenario, this year is definitely number one pick. Next year, I can't imagine Brooklyn is going to get much better. It'll also be in the top three. We'll call it top two. Um, I don't agree. I don't agree. I think Brooklyn is going to be much better. I think they're going to get at least one decent player in free agency to complement the players they already have. They have cap space. They have different management. I think they're still going to be a lottery team, even a high lottery team. Um, But I, I wouldn't even bank for them being the second or third worst team in the league. So you're um, saying let's trade that pick? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. If we're going to trade a Brooklyn pick, that would be the one to trade as soon as possible. All right. Well, I think we've we've uh, mulled over Demarcus a little, a little too much. Um, yeah. Right now, but but I, I I agree with you though. I would love Demarcus Cousins on the Celtics. Um. So you know, we went into Butler. Um. Not gonna even entertain the idea of Carmelo. I, yeah, I don't want him in Boston. Um, like, literally even in the city. Um, so, that's a big no. Um, Andre Drummond seems unlikely. Um, well, how unlikely, though, really? I mean, if, let's just say that Stan Van Gundy has decided that he is frustrated with Drummond's... A lot of people think that, like, mistakenly, that Drummond is kind of like an old-school big man. Um... But he isn't. He is actually hyper-athletic for his size. Um, He's one of the most explosive players in the NBA in terms of leaping, um, which is why he's such a leader at getting all those boards. Um, Yeah, (laughs) seriously, though. Um, He can can defend very well away from the basket. He can put it on the floor and he can move, but he won't. Yeah. I mean, I would be... I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Drummond in Boston. Um, I think he does a lot of what um, DeMarcus Cousins does, but just not at that level um, just yet. But he's still young, though. Well, he can't um, shoot. He cannot shoot. That is another big, big red flag yeah, to deal with. Um, but he, he's still young. He has a lot of time to develop, you know? Um, just because he can't shoot 
you know, he can't shoot now, does it mean that he won't be able to shoot in a year or two? He's what not learning how to shoot. Well, let's <laughs> say he does. Let's say that he does. <laughs> you know, players do get better over time. So, um, but I don't know if it's if it's an Andre Drummond, I I'm not touching any of the Brooklyn picks. I'm just trading uh, a starter and a backup and a second round pick or something like that. I would give him the 2018 Brooklyn. Straight up. Um, well, salary match also, probably they would want Avery. Um, he seems like a very Stan Van Gundy type of player. Eh, I, no, I gotta pass. If it's not DeMarcus Cousins, or, because uh, Drummond will only fix our rebounding issues. Um, then we still have shooting issues. We have facing issues as a result of that. I don't, I don't think it's a good match. I think that's a fair deal. I just I don't know that he's a great fit alongside Isaiah. Yeah, yeah he's less than an ideal fit. Yeah, I mean you'd be you'd be incredibly you'd basically be duplicating a higher level version of Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond's pick and roll action. Um, yep. The the floor would not be clogged by any means. He's he's a pretty mobile big, so he doesn't tend to to hang out like a Hibbert style like big man in the paint. But he doesn't go very far from the basket either, which would definitely affect the spacing. Um, but you know, just let's let's try to move it along a little bit and and talk about that the other guy in the pick and roll action who might be one of the players on the move. Um, Reggie Jackson. You want yeah, to trade Reggie Jackson? I don't see why you trade for him. Well, I don't think that we would, but he's probably he's probably on the move, and probably I think that Orlando's interested in him, right? From what we hear, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was also rumblings that. The Timberwolves were thinking of a straight up swap between Rubio and Jackson, right? That got shut down, yeah, didn't it? That was a, that was like a month ago, right? I remember hearing about that. Yeah, because that got some traction for a bit, and that I feel like that just because both guys, I feel like, just need to change the scene. Yeah, for sure. And they're they're both pretty good players. I think Jackson's a little little uh, better than Rubio, though. Rubio is one of the best passers in the game. Yeah, I was gonna say right. Rubio's the better assist man. Sounds like younger, yeah, I mean, isn't he? No, he's not he, younger. He'd be good on a team that that you know needs a point guard. Uh, obviously, but it's a good okay. Mark, any deals that you want to talk about? Um, so the 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 guy I I really like and I and I think is a uh, good fit. I, I love Nerlens Noel. I, I think his contract is up this year, though, right? It is. So yeah. So um, it looks like that Philly is trying to get rid of Okafor, um, and they've decided that they want to go with Noel and Embiid. You know, as their their big duo down the line, but I don't think that they can get rid of Okafor. It's, they looked like he was gone last week, and then I think that was a stunt. Back. They they told him to you know they sat him for a game, then they told him not to come on the team playing because he was going to get traded. He didn't get traded. They tell him to come to Boston. He played against us last week, and um, I don't know. That's that's a that's a mess. But um, I, I thought Noel was a great fit. He's a because. Um, because I mean, you get the shot blocking, the rebounding. He's still a young kid, but um, again, the issue with how well does he fit with the Celtics offensively? Because um, he doesn't really get too far from the basket either. Nope. So I mean, that's the I, I think he checks off a lot of boxes, especially on defense and the rebounding. But I just don't know how much of a, a hindrance he would be on offense. You how do you guys feel about Millsap? Might be. Yeah, Mil- Millsap though I, I I like, but I don't know. He I think he's a good fit for our system because he can shoot. But 
Um, Don't cost too much if he's even available. I don't, yeah, the price I think is probably, especially if he's a rental, you know, and I can't see them signing him to a long-term extension. And I think the Hawks are hot and cold on selling Millsap. You know, I mean, they they put him on the market for a bit when it seemed like they were selling and blowing it up, and then suddenly they realized they're not yeah. as bad as they are, and they've been all over the place with. <laughs> they got rid of Kyle Korver and started playing well, so but yeah, the fire sale ended right there. Yeah, so let's let's kind of talk about stuff like that. So. Right now, it's been a relatively quiet trade season, but there have been kind of a spur of trades lately. Uh, Serge Ibaka, for instance, going from Orlando to Toronto. Who do you think has won so far a trade season? Do you think that that is going to be the best deal of this trade season? Yeah, for sure. But that was a total, that was highway robbery right there. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt, that was the best. That's been the best uh, trade so far. Um, yeah. Do you think it think... the best trade of 2017? I would hope not. Yeah, that'd be kind of sad, but it's, yeah. it's definitely possible. It's, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it's teams get so hesitant. That nobody wants to be the guy that got burned at the trade deadline. I, I think they're more teams are a little more up to make these bigger deals in the summertime rather than at the deadline. Yeah, but so far that's been that's been the one. Uh, that's been the one. I guess you can say big move. Everything else has been uh, pretty under the radar. Yeah, Nurkic was it's, pretty it's interesting, like, I think. Yeah, that's, that's dirty. that was an interesting trade, yeah, for the Plumlee deal. It's not a big but trade, that but... Was, that was a lot more fair than the Ibaka to Toronto move. Right. I feel like all these trades have been so one-sided. I mean, like, I feel like the Raptors easily come out on top of that Toronto deal. Yep. Uh, yeah. I feel like, for instance, the Cavs easily came out on top Kyle Korver for Dunleavy and Mo Williams. Yeah, that, that was another good... Uh, that was another steal. There was a protected first in there too, but I think it was one of those heavily protected. I think it's. Yeah, I think it's and, and, and total and total lottery. Pick in the draft too. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I would. The Milwaukee yeah, grabs some big guys, even though they've already got a pretty crowded front court. Like, it just seems like so far all the deals have been pretty, pretty quiet, and there hasn't been any like really. Deals that you can really debate. Like it seems like there's a one-sided team that really wins each deal. So like, and I think it's pretty obvious in a lot of them, right? Yeah. All right. Any other trades that you feel like we should talk about? Uh, Hawes and Hibbert for Plumley. Hibbert. Oh yeah. Wait, wait. Which one was that? Hawes and Hibbert from the Bucks um, to uh, the Hornets for Miles Plumley. <laughs> Well, I mean, I wouldn't want Spencer Hawes on my team personally, and Roy Hibbert questionably also. So I, I really do think that uh, the the Hornets, in my opinion, got the better deal there. Yeah, I mean, they were able to unload Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert, you know, and they got a young big guy out of it. I mean, the Plumlee brothers are all just these insane, like freakishly big, defensive-minded guys who will just do whatever their coach tells them. I feel like they're, they're like robots almost. And so, like, I feel like the, the Hornets really took... They were able to unload those two contracts and get a pretty good player out of it. Well, I think that's just about everything that happened. I mean, we already covered the Corver trade. Yeah. What do you... Uh, uh, what's craziest trade you expect for this trade season? Mellow for way less than he's worth. <laughs> Where to? Where do you think he's going? 
I can't even begin to predict, um, but I don't... I w it would not surprise me. The, the craziest thing I could think of is a trade based around um, Kevin Love and Carmelo Anthony. It should never happen, but honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if it did. I think it's a lot more likely than we think it is. You think so? Something. I thought I was talking crazy talk. That was my hot takey kind of a of a proposal. I, I think that it's yeah. Maybe I'm joining you on the hot takes, but I think that's a lot. I, I think there's a lot more, especially with the injury concerns of Kevin Love. I mean, he'll be back. He's slated to be back by playoffs. But you know, I mean, how healthy is he going to be? How how hard will he be able to play, especially against you know a physical team like the Raptors in the second round? You know, he'll, he'll get pushed around. If he's got knee problems, it's going to be a problem. And then, you know, I mean, in the finals, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, if it's the Spurs, Draymond Green will push him around. Like, I just, I can't see the front office, especially with LeBron kind of whispering in their ear that it would be better worth it to get a guy who's more explosive, who can, you know, kind of guarantee that option whether it's off the bench or in the starting lineup. I don't know what the what uh, Tyron Lue does with Carmelo Anthony versus Kevin Love. It's a completely different dynamic. And it would completely change the team. But I think it's a lot a lot more realistic than we than we say it is. Yeah, I, I, they still they still probably plow through the East, no problem. And it does it really make them a bad matchup for Golden State if they go a little smaller with Melo? I don't think so. Fair enough. The only issue is the rebounding, which Kevin Love thrives I don't think Melo goes anywhere. Remember, he has to waive his no-trade clause. I think he's in love with New York. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. Um, oh, he would do it for Cleveland, though. Oh, absolutely. He'd a championship, almost. It would be the other super team, and it would make for like such a legacy, even if they lose every single time. At this point, I'm starting <laughs> to think, I'm starting to think that um, Melo is... Uh, placing more importance on being comfortable in the city than he, that he lives in um, than winning a championship, which is why he's been in New York all these years. No way. He's thought, I, I feel like he's realistically believed that the Knicks were going to become a relevant franchise. I agree. Yeah, I, think, I think that he was, he was optimistic that you know the Knicks were going to find a way to become a team that he could play for, that he could actually win a ring with, and it's just gone. Everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong with the Knicks while he's been there. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't think it's gonna happen, but um, we'll see. Any other big moves? Did yeah, you anticipate? Other, Mark, you got any crazy crazy ideas? Crazy moves? No, man. I uh, you know I, I I'd like to see a big trade, whether we're involved in it or not, somewhere. Um, but um, I, I think I, I I think it's. I think the Celtics probably add somebody, whether it's a small deal for a future first or whatever. Just even if it's an Andrew Bogut, a guy that's expiring. Just I, I, they haven't made moves. They didn't make moves last year, but they weren't really a contender last year. And even though it's a long shot to win, um, I, I, I think Ainge always tried to get guys when we had the big three a few years back, and uh, I, I think that he's gonna really be uh, working the phones this week. All right. Well, well, yeah, speaking of uh, crazy ideas, um, our, our boy in Cleveland, Kyrie Irving, thinks that the world is flat. It's not just right? Kyrie. It's also Draymond now. 
Yeah, people are jumping on. Oh, God, no. It's the man. The man is telling us the world is around. All right, so... <laughs> I can't believe it. I mean, all right, I'll just... I'll, I'll try to... Hopefully, Kyrie Irving... It would be great if he was listening to this. But, all right, so Kyrie Irving, what I'm going to ask you to do is go buy yourself a telescope, all right? And what you're going to do is you're going to point it... <laughs> I know you can see it, but you're going to point it at the moon, number one. You're going to tell me what shape the moon is. Then... You're gonna point. You're gonna look up a star map, and you're gonna look for Jupiter and Saturn and Mars. And then you're gonna tell me what. Yeah, you're gonna tell me what what shape those planets are. I certainly don't think I've seen all of these myself. I don't think any of these are flat. Um, but you know, and dude, the man photoshops the or he finds a way to manipulate the telescope stuff. Oh, that, no, yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a projection. I forgot. Yeah. yeah, well, no, we, uh, what's this, what did he say? That it, it's a conspiracy, right? That we're being told what, what we want to be told? By them. That, is that what we're, is that what his argument this, is? This, this all started, I feel like, last year when uh, B.O.B. Uh, took a picture from an airplane, and he's like, look, why isn't the Earth curved? Like, if it were curved from this altitude, I would be able to see the curve. So the world's yeah. flat. That was also like conveniently like, right before his album came out, right? Like, what's yeah. what's Kyrie trying to trying to do? What's he trying to up his uh, his personality for? I don't know. I think he's trying to make himself seem like a more attractive trade target. I was gonna say I maybe this is a, a for a guy who thinks the world's flat, though. Well, I don't think so either. Maybe this is a down low uh, trade request. Yeah, he's not happy with. Maybe he's maybe he's trying to say that. Life in Cleveland is pretty flat. But then what's with Draymond? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, that was that was really. I was kind of shocked by that. I'm kind of wondering who else is going to jump on the flat world bandwagon. Like, what other players are going to do it? I'm waiting for some T-shirts to come out. Yeah, like I'm, I'm expecting that, and that's going to be fun in the finals for just fans, whoever they may be, to just like kind of poke Kyrie Irving about that stuff. Yeah, that'll be a blast. But uh, speaking yeah. of uh, bandwagons, uh, Rick Carlisle seems to be a Boston bandwagoner. Um, he said that he can see Boston in the finals. I don't think Ask that's coach. controversial. You don't think that's controversial? You think it's it's pretty fair? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he, he's saying that it's Boston is likely to be in the finals. He's just saying yeah. he could see it, and I could too, if... If, let's say, J.R. Smith does not come back very quickly from his injury and is out of game shape, which is not that crazy of a thing, considering we're talking about J.R. Smith here, um, and Love's knee does not heal at the rate that we're talking about, and they can't get any impact moves, and it puts a lot of pressure on a certain star player for that team, and he ends up with a minor injury from too much playing playing time, is it really that crazy? Who else is going to stop Boston in a seven-game series? Realistically, you know, I think Toronto could. Yeah, Toronto, yeah. especially with that Ibaka trade. Yep, I think yeah. they could, but we don't know how that... I mean, they're still trying to sort out where Sully is going to fit on that team. He went from being out most of the season to playing, you know, sporadic minutes with a great night here and a terrible night here, kind of just like he did with us, and now he's out of the rotation getting DNPs again. And, like, yeah, you know, you added Ibaka, but, I mean, Ibaka is a new player to their system, and, like... 
he's, you know, he's a pro. He's going to do okay, but he may not have an impact people think. At least, at least not until it may not. He may not have time to learn on the job. Is what I'm saying. I think by April, though, like when it will actually count. You know, if we see him, let's say we take the two seed, right? Like Cleveland's able to hold on to the one seed. They're able to play well enough down the stretch, even though they've got one of the toughest schedules for the second half of the season compared to the Celtics, who have one of the easiest schedules. But the uh, let's say that you know, the Raptors take, they sit where they are at the four, then they'll probably play Cleveland in the second round and see if everything goes well. Um, for the Raptors, for instance, it would be Celtics-Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals. Do you think that the Celtics can match up with a rolling Raptors team? A rolling Raptors team would be a nightmare for the Celtics. I'm, yeah, that would be wrong. I'm 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 banking on the fact that um, Ibaka's defensive game is going to continue to be okay and not really what people expected from him. While his offense is going to be great in their system, I think it's going to be similar, if not even better, than in Orlando. But I think that it's going to take some time for him to get there. I, I think by the end of the season, he he might be playing the way they want him to, but he might not be. Also, um, Rick Carlisle is a former Celtic, so maybe there's a little connection there. Some green glasses. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. You know who else is a former Celtic? Glenn Big Baby Davis, who had a had some words for uh, for Doc Rivers. Apparently, he's overrated. All of a sudden, I well, think he's that been he's given a really Go good Clippers team for the last what was it three years, and he was given a pretty good Boston team. Well, but he won with the Boston team. Yeah, but as yeah. soon as but then he said he didn't want to be a part of the rebuild, which is fine. I mean, I I understand that. What I, I mean, I, I don't know if I, I mean, I think Doc Rivers is a great coach, but, you know, he's got one of the most talented teams in the NBA, and yeah. he hasn't gotten outside of the second round of the playoffs. I wouldn't pin that on that, him, though. That collapse to Houston two years ago. It's like, I, I, I don't know. I think Doc Rivers fell into, has fallen into similar situations that, well, we're seeing with Steve Kerr, where... Golden State, with or without him, is almost unbeatable, regardless of whether or not he's there. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying that the Clippers were unbeatable at any point in Boston. Well, I guess Boston was pretty unbeatable at one point. Um, but I think the the success of their teams has had not as much to do with them as people would like to think, is what I'm saying. I think they're both because right. The, the teams are talented. I think I think that you you should give Rivers some credit for the fact that injuries played a big part in the last two years um, with the Clippers not really reaching their full potential. Um, I think that is he's completely right in saying that that Doc has kind of a brusque manner in terms of dealing with his players. Um, that's just who he is. Um, I don't necessarily think that makes him a bad coach. It might make him a bad coach for some players, maybe like Glenn. Um, I don't necessarily think that um, it's fair to say that he, he... I mean, he did get lucky. 
there's no doubt about it. You don't end up with that lineup um, that won the 2008 championship and say that you didn't get lucky. That's one of the most lucky um, alignment of players in league history. I mean, it hit the ground yeah. running perfectly. Um, that never happens. Um, even even with like LeBron, um, whether we're talking about going back to Cleveland, I mean, he did okay when he came back to Cleveland, but not like that. And when he went to Miami, it was it was kind of a disaster at first. Um, so, I mean, it's perfectly fair to say that he got lucky, but I think really they're having two different conversations. Um, well, people who are supporting Doc in this situation, um, I don't think they're wrong. Um, and I don't, I don't think that, that, um, Davis is wrong either. I think that, um, he can be kind of a jerk, um, but he did get a championship that way. And I don't think it's necessarily fair to pin that on him in Los Angeles either. Yeah. So valid criticism? I think I think oh, so maybe. to a certain extent. Kind of overblown. I think it's I think it's just um, a kerfuffle that um, makes great talking point. But yeah, kerfuffle. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a little blown out of proportion. But I don't think it's out of bounds for former players to or former players of coaches to criticize their former coach. Not at all. Not at all. I don't think he's wrong, but I don't think it's. I don't think. I don't think that uh, Doc is a bad, bad coach. No. Um. Anything else? Any? Oh, Isaiah Thomas tying Hondo's record of forty games with uh, twenty points. He broke it, right? Yeah, he broke yep. it. He's, he's alone now. During the Chicago Bulls game, he uh, pulled the forty-one, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think so, he keep it up. Yeah, do you think it's, it's, like, it's like such a like you know at this point I don't I don't check to see if Isaiah has scored twenty I check to see if he scored thirty you know like it's at that point right now him scoring twenty is like whatever I, I think it's really it's a given now um, almost on a nightly basis so it's not surprising I think he keeps it up the real question is and he had said that he believes he can catch Russell Westbrook for the scoring title. Uh, but Russ is sitting. I think he's like sitting just below thirty-one points per game. They're they're separated by probably a point or a point in some change. Yeah, I haven't seen what Isaiah's. I haven't been keeping up with that. You know, because those those numbers only matter to me like near the end of the season when it actually gets close. Yeah. But do you think Isaiah? I mean, so like that's. I, I think he'll sustain. He'll keep scoring twenty points per game. I think it'll take like some, you know, like an injury in the first quarter. Or, like, maybe pull something for him to not get 20. I feel like as long as he's getting his minutes, he's going to... Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm looking. He uh, He's at 20, uh, 29.9 points per game, and Russell Westbrook is at 31.1. Yes, he's up, like, 1.2. Yeah. So, yeah. A, a I, don't know catch him. I don't know if he can catch him. It's going to take a lot more. Yeah, I think a few 40-point games here, a few 50-point games there. But it would be cool if he did it. Um, but I guess we'll see. But I, he'll, he'll, I'll say he'll probably cap out at about 30 points per game. Yeah. All right, um, well, just, coming out of the All-Star break, got two games next week, uh, Toronto and Detroit. Toronto, we just talked about it. They picked up Serge Ibaka, traded Terrence Ross. What do you think outcome of that game is going to be? Rusty. Um... Yeah, I think it'll it'll be a weird game for both teams, you know. But um, a lot of rust. But I, I think 
Boston rides the Toronto wave that they they found last time they played, and they they pull off a win. Well, Patterson may be rejoining them. Um, he's been in and out with some knee problems. Um, we talked about Sully um, and his ambiguous role, particularly now with, with Ibaka. Um, I'm not envisioning him playing too much, but keep in mind we're also going to be bringing back Avery Bradley and yep. also Jalen Brown with that that um, that hip issue that he had in a game earlier this week. Yeah, uh, so that, that's exactly why I think it. I think it's a it's a hard it's a hard win, but I think it's a win. Um, I think the the, the Detroit game is also a win. Um, definitely not as hard fought, but I, I think I think they'll pull it off. Of course, this is on the road. I think that's fine. Yeah, I mean the Celtics are, are a pretty good road team, but uh, Detroit has been kind of sliding as of late, right? Yeah. So. They, uh, no, actually, they've been doing a little bit better. They were sliding, but they've kind of turned it around. They're on a one-game win streak last time I checked, and have won six of the last four. So they've clawed their way back into playoff position for now. I, I don't really expect them to stay there if they keep playing the way they have. But, I mean, for now, they have been enjoying the benefits of a, of a pretty weak Eastern, Eastern Conference showing all, all around. Yeah, and all this stuff is going to be after the trade deadline, which falls on Thursday this year, the 23rd. Yep. Uh, we hit Toronto on Friday, then Detroit on Sunday, and then we spin around back to Boston for a matchup with the Hawks on Monday. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on? Well, I think... I, I, sorry. I think Toronto is a team to keep an eye on. I, I think Detroit and Toronto are both teams to keep an eye on in terms of the trade deadline. Um... I don't think Detroit is going to make a move that's going to, you know, put them into serious um, into serious contention in any way, shape, or form. But Toronto might. So we could be having an entirely different conversation the next time we talk about this Toronto game. In the rearview mirror, uh, in terms of what happens at the deadline, they have the Lowry contract, um, excuse me, Lowry contract um, looming over them, and they're going to need to decide what they want to do because he's playing out of his mind, um, but he's also in the last year of his deal, and do they really want to tie him up for five more years at his age? I think he's um, into his 30s now. Um, so there there could be some big moves to think about in terms of how it's going to affect the Eastern Conference, particularly, you know, we beat it to death a little bit earlier with the Kevin Love situation. Um, so just keep an eye out for that, and, you know, if any major moves happen, um, we may end up dropping a surprise podcast just to cover that, so... Keep an eye out. Absolutely. Any other any stuff you guys are going to be working on during the week that readers can look out for? Um, I mean, I'm 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 glued to my cell phone, trying to watch for for any particularly big trade rumors out there. So I'm sure um, there's going to be movement of some sort. So I mean, there's probably going to be plenty of articles, if not on what the Celtics did, on what other teams did before the deadline to try to you know. Go for it with the love situation being what it is. Um, so, at least on my part, I'm sure you'll be reading at least some stuff. Um, also, um, keep an eye out for that podcast, Celtics Life Pod um, hashtag um, that we talked about in the last podcast. We might try to do some mailbag stuff in the immediate future. Um, so, keep an eye out on Twitter for that. 
And if you have any questions or anything like that, that any comments, um, we are currently, you'll notice, um, we have more than two voices at a time, which is not the way we've been doing it. We're just trying to experiment with kind of more of a roundtable thing to deal with the trade deadline thing. Um, if you have any comments on how that went, whether we're talking too much, interrupting each other too much, or if you loved it, please let us know. Absolutely. All right. Luis, anything you want to add? Um, no, I think we're all good. I'm, I'm hoping that something happens um, by Thursday. Um, but if not, it'll be interesting to see whether or not we think the Celtics can actually do anything of real substance this year. Yeah. Come Thursday. Yeah. So, as Justin said, if something does happen, you'll definitely catch it on CelticsLife.com. And also, while you're there, you can check out the links on the top of the website. We have a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in our store. You can even get tickets to the next game under that heading. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, SoundCloud, and MixCloud. And make sure that you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And like Justin said, if you like what you hear, be sure to rate us well. Uh, and you can always comment on Twitter, on Facebook, however you want to get in touch with us. Uh, we all have our Twitter accounts that you can probably track down, especially with hashtag Celtics Life Podcast. All right. Sounds good. Any guys, anything you guys want to add before we take off? Dog out. Uh, happy trade deadline. Yeah, enjoy your trade deadline, guys. It's like the, it's, what is it, 4th of July for basketball season? 4th of July with a little bit of Christmas. A little bit of Christmas? Yeah, hopefully yeah, we're I, wrapping some really, really, really big DeMarcus Cousins size presents. Seven foot something presents. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> Alright. Alright. Thanks guys. Thanks for tuning in. Take care.